Welcome on into the Kiwi Football Fix. Great to see you. And we've got a couple of great guests lined up for you over the next half hour. We've got the voice of the A-League. His name, Simon Hill. You would have heard his voice from time to time over the years. He's going to cast an eye across the playoffs. And in particular, that Wellington Phoenix-Western United match that comes up first on Saturday. Speaking of which, our first guest is with us right here, right now. His name, Ufuk Tele, head coach of the Wellington Phoenix. Ufi, how are things, mate? Yeah, good. Uh, things are progressing well. Uh, it's, a, it's a very exciting week for us leading into finals football. Let's be completely blunt and cut to the chase. You have defeated Western United three times this year, twice in the league, once in the cup. How do we make it four on Saturday? Yeah, look, we'll plan and prepare uh, well. We'll prepare the boys the best we can. We've got a few boys coming back in, which is going to help the group. But uh, previous uh, results won't be an indicator indicator for us that this is finals football. It's a different game. Uh, it's a one-off game. So we've got to make sure that we're prepared well. So you wouldn't go as far as to say that um, they're, they're your bunny? Because that, that, that's what I would say. Yeah, look, I don't look at it like that. Like I said, look, they're very, they're they're still a very good team. They're very experienced sides, and they've got some very experienced players, and they've had a good season. Look, we've we've done well against them previously, but uh, finals football is is a different game. I'm quite keen to hear about your approach, and obviously, I, I don't want you to give it all away on this show. But when you look at those defeats of Western throughout the season, the match in the FFA Cup. You had a very, very young squad who played the majority of the game without the ball. You win 1-0. The next game, it came after four straight defeats in the league. And it was the debut of Gail Sandoval. You still had Alex Rufa and Clayton Lewis at your disposal. You win 2-1. And then the the final victory, 4-1, comes on the back of hidings at the hands of uh, Melbourne City, almost Manchester City, Melbourne City and Central Coast Mariners. And you bounce back. How do you approach this game? Because you've you've done it in so many different ways throughout the year. Yeah, look, this this is a different game. It's finals football. We've got to make sure uh, we have uh, got to think about uh, if the game goes through extra time as well with our substitutions that we make. Uh, when we need to make those substitutions depends on, on how the game is going. Uh, we, we we we're happy at the same time. We've got some players coming in to give us that depth uh, for this game uh, with the substitutions that we might need to make. As the game progresses, I'd be very happy if we could get the, the job done in 90 minutes so we don't have to go to extra time. Uh, but look, it's it's like I said, it's finals football. We have to have a plan A uh, and a plan B. And if things change, uh, if we're up or if we go down and what we need to do. The substitutions. Let's talk about the possible strength of them because at just the right time, you've managed to get a, a raft of players fit and firing. Uh, the likes of Gary Hooper, we've seen him over the last couple of weeks. He played big minutes against City on Monday. How likely that he can play 90 minutes on Saturday? Oh, look, we'll push him as far as we can with Hoops. Uh, it's a very important game. It's one of those ones where we'll have to take the risk to get the result that we want. So, you know, if he needs to go to the full 90, we'll use him for the full 90. But at the same time, we'll have a bit more depth to, to chuck on the park. Uh, with players like uh, Josh Sotirio coming back in as well. So, look, it'll, it'll depend on the game and where the game is at and, and how we use the boys. So I take it from that that uh, Josh Sotirio's calf is A-OK and he'll play. What about David Ball, who's basically getting by week to week or in between games in a moon boot? How's that uh, dreadful toe of his? Yeah, he's going well. He's uh, He does what he needs to do off the puck uh, to keep himself uh, fit and conditioned at the same time. Uh, he's in a moon boot uh, every day. But, uh, look, the, the great thing is is that 
we're not making it worse, uh, but it's not getting any better at the same time whilst he's playing. So it's one of those one where he, he just gets a jab and continues on. It's a great advertisement for Moon Boots, though, isn't it, Duffy? When you think about you know, the pain that he's experiencing week to week and he can still get out there and play 60, 70, 80 minutes of an A-League game. Yeah, I think, I think the jab does help for him to get through those moments. <laughs> OK, so it's more of an advertisement for um, pain-killing injections. The, the last one that I want to talk about, the, the big in, the massive gain for the Wellington Phoenix, we saw him play 45 minutes against City on Monday, Clayton Lewis. Now, this is huge for the side because we've been lacking that, that central defensive uh, linchpin, and he provides that for your team. How, how key will he be in this match against Weston? Yeah, I'm very pleased to have Clayton back. He gave us a good 45 minutes uh, against Melbourne City in the last game. So, you know, one of our, for me, one of the biggest uh, losses was obviously losing our captain, Alex Rufo, and Clayton to injury, where they're very important players in the way that we play. Uh, you know, they, they win a lot of balls for us without the ball, uh, without, you know, when we don't have possession and, and they're the guys that start the game for us. So, you know, Clayton's been uh, very effective for us and it's nice to have him back with the group. And because of his and Alex's removal from this side, you've basically been having to cobble together a midfield as best you can. So Clayton's inclusion, what will that mean for somebody like Gael Sandoval, who is a very creative weapon of yours, but he's been playing so deep in the absence of Lewis and Rufa? Yeah, look, for, for Gael, we can possibly push him back up into the number 10 role, which he uh, originally started with. Uh, look, Gail, Gail and Nico, for me, have done a fantastic job uh, in, in taking up that role. Uh, you know, we've had to change the way that we set up a little bit with an extra player at the back. Uh, and also, we, you know, we played a little bit more on the, in, in transition where I think Gail was very effective, especially in that first game when we won against Western United 4-1, where we do win, when we do win the ball, he's able to dribble out from those, those central areas. So, look, it gives us an opportunity to tweak things again with uh, some players coming back in. What does it do to the mindset of these players, Ophi, uh, when you have to play them out of position, basically doing it for the cause, doing it for the team, and, and they're not comfortable, they're not used to those positions. Obviously, Gael playing deeper, but I'm also thinking about the likes of Josh Soterio, who we saw employed as a right wing back at Eden Park, and, and Ben Wayne, the Wayne trainer, is basically doing exactly the same the last few games. So what does it do for their mindset? Yeah, look, players, players need to, to adapt. Uh, sometimes... It's not the role that they want to play within the team. But uh, for me, the team always comes first. And that's why we put players in those positions uh, to be effective and get the outcome that we need. So, you know, Joshy did a good job at Eden Park. Uh, Wayne did a fantastic job against Western Sydney to get the result that we needed. And, you know, players need to adapt. Sometimes uh, it's not uh, preferred where they want to play. You know, it's not the position that they really want to play. But honestly, if, if I was playing and, and the coach put me in goals, I'd put my hand up to play. And you know what? You've been adapting all season long. So if they can try and adapt for a game or two, well, that's just fair enough because um, you've been handed one hell of a hand, haven't you? Between COVID, all these injuries, the fixture logjam right at the end of the season. So how proud are you of the team? How proud are you of yourself that you've been able to negotiate this period and get through to the playoffs? Yeah, very proud of the group, uh, the effort and energy that they've put into this season. Uh, you know, they've worked very hard to, to earn this position to, to be in the finals. Uh, we had a chat briefly this morning with the group about, you know, what we want to achieve. And, you know, we're here now in, in, in the final series. Uh, and, look, it's going to be a good week. And I asked them to be 100% focused and concentrated to, to go out there and do a job against Western United. 
Is that another call coming through? Maybe it's Western, Offie. They're trying to call up and get, get your game plan. No, no calls coming through. I'm on, I'm on Gilly's uh, computer, unfortunately. Oh, okay. So no calls for you. Okay. Hey, um, <laughs> the, um, the way that the team has evolved, playing players out of position, how have you evolved? Because I think we, we literally saw it formation-wise when you suffered those defeats at the hands of City and the Mariners and you went away from a formation that you were very, very comfortable with, you knew very well and you employed those three central defenders. So I suppose, yeah, how have you evolved yourself throughout this very difficult season? Well, one, one thing after those uh, heavy defeats that we had was, was how can we uh, best utilise the players that we had available uh, to get the outcome that we needed? Uh, and also at the same time, how can we keep our best players on the park that were available at that time as well? Uh, one thing that we were lacking, obviously, was Clayton and Roos uh, in that role as the two sixes. Uh, and how could we protect our central defenders as well, uh, you know, when we didn't have the ball? So we employed an extra player at the back, which I personally don't like, uh, but we had to adapt uh, adapt to it because I'd rather play with two players up top and being able to put pressure on the on the opponent uh, and play in the way with a 5-4-1 is, is you hand possession basically over to the opposition uh, and you can't dictate really the terms of putting pressure on them to, to, to try to win the ball. So it's not my preferred way of playing, but we had to adapt to what we had on the park and at times it's it served us well. How is that arm wrestle going on in your head, in your brain? You know, you, you have to play a way that you don't want to. So like, how, how long did that conversation take place for until, you know, we, we finally saw it on the field? Yeah, it was, it was after we had those two uh, heavy defeats uh, when we sat down with the staff and we come up with a plan of what's best for the group on, on trying to try to get the three points and win games. Uh, it's something that I really didn't want to do in the sense that I believe the way that we play is very fluid and very attacking uh, when we set up in our own way that we normally play. Uh, but we had to, like I said, work out what was the best case scenario of getting the best players on the park and being able to get the outcome that we needed. So, look, it wasn't it wasn't done where I preferred to do it. It was done because it, it needed to get done. Yeah, you just do it because you've got to do it. Much like the season as a whole, right? Because uh, it was it was tough. It was tough watching. I can only imagine what it was like for you and your squad. How did you manage to like with all the hurdles that were put in front of you? How did you manage to clear most of them and, and keep the squad happy and focused on the task at hand? Look, I think we're a little bit fortunate that we have a, a young group. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of young players that just want to play football. Uh, we don't have too many senior players with family. Uh, Bawley's family was here for quite a quite a while in Australia with him, and then went back over to the UK. I know that we, we sent hoops over uh, for a couple of weeks to, to catch up with his family because his family's been in the UK for quite a long time and, and Scotty had his family over here for a, for a short period of time as well. So the rest of the boys are all single. Uh, some may have girlfriends, uh, but look, they're, they're a young group. They're a focus group. They just want to play football. And we, we, we speak about what we can control and that's what we do on the training park and then what, and what we produce on the weekend. So, you know, if we could just keep the boys focused on the task at hand and the outcome we wanted to get, uh, like I said, they're a good bunch of boys and just want to play football. Who's really impressed you uh, in terms of stepping up into, like, a, a leadership role? Because there were so many guys that either parted ways with the Phoenix before the season began or they were out through injury, out through COVID, whatever. You name it, we, we faced it. So who were some of those players that really lifted their, their leadership skills to another level in the face of this adversity? 
Yeah, look, we, we have a few senior boys that do that naturally uh, within the group. Uh, but also, I think this year has been a lot of growth for Alex Rufer, our captain, in that role, although he got injured uh, recently. And also, Ollie Sale taking the armband once uh, Alex got injured. So those boys have stepped up. Uh, all of them, uh, to be honest, they, they, they take responsibility, which is very important uh, for me as a coach because it's easy to palm things off to me when things aren't going well. But uh, look, the, the thing, good thing with the group is they know when they've done well and they know when they haven't produced. So it's nice that they, they take responsibility and accountability. Ollie's sale has been absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I know that might sound strange to other people who are casual viewers of the game and they look at the stats and say, well, the Wellington Phoenix had the worst defence in the A-League competition. But without Ollie sale... It could have been so much worse. I mean, we, we owe so much to our stand-in skipper, don't we? Yeah, look, Ollie's done a fantastic job uh, ever since he's come in last season. I think after round eight, he, he'd come in and he's, he's, done, a, he's done a fantastic uh, job. Look, he's always been a very good goalkeeper. Uh, obviously, he's sat, sat behind a lot of keepers that have come through at Wellington Phoenix. And when the opportunity arose for him, he, I think he grabbed it with both hands and... Uh, I've seen him grow as an as a, as an individual, not not just also as a keeper on the park and doing well, but I think he's grown and matured a lot as well. And I think uh, you know, Goffy's done a great job of keeping him grounded as well. When it comes to you though, Ufuktele, and this season, was this the hardest season that you've ever coached or played in? Yeah, this this season I think threw a lot more challenges than what we expected. Uh, you know, we weren't expecting uh, all these uh, injuries and, and obviously, you know, and, and COVID uh, knocking players out and, and sometimes my staff and even myself out at times. Mm. Uh, but look, uh, it is what it is uh, for me. Uh, look, all the teams have been through this at some stage during the season. Some, you know, they, they've had injuries, uh, they've had COVID and we're no different to them. I think it's best how we can manage it and try to get the best out of the players. Mm. It's been a tough year, but you've made it all the way through to the playoffs and we've got this match against Western United on Saturday. When you think about that that moment before the players take to the field, you've got one last message for them in the changing sheds. What will you say to them before they go out there and, fingers crossed, beat Western United across 90 minutes? Oh, for me, it's uh, enjoy the moment, enjoy the occasion. Uh, you know, not, not every season you get to play finals football. So for us, it's just go out there and enjoy what they do. And, and, look, I, I love getting way too far ahead of myself. It's just in my nature. You know, I can't see what's right in front of me. I'm sort of looking over there. And on the horizon, beyond Western, who are our bunnies, let's make no bones about it, Ophi, they are our bunny. Once we beat them, we've got a home match at Sky Stadium, Wellington, Wednesday night against Melbourne City. What would it mean to you and the team and the fans of the side to have a match of that calibre? Yeah, look, hopefully we, we get the result that we need against Western United, which will lead into a, uh, a game in, in Wellington against Melbourne City. So for us, we, we had a great time again uh, whilst we were back uh, in New Zealand playing at home. So I think it's a, it's a massive occasion. It's a, it's a one-off game again, and, and I think it'll be great for the boys to get the support that they need. You like the change from a, a one-off game to that two-legged system in the semifinals? Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good for the competition. I think it's also uh, good for the clubs to be able to play uh, home and away. Uh, previously, this was the it wasn't like this. So I think it's good for the clubs in a sense that, you know, look, uh, football is a business at the end of the day, the way I look at it. And, and financially, I think it helps the clubs to be able to do a, a home and away. 
when you look at the other teams in the top six, how, how glad are you that it's Western that you're up against, given the, the strength and the qualities of the other teams? Yeah, look, uh, uh, not, not that I'm glad. I think it's more so, look, we ended up finishing sixth. Obviously, Central Coast won their game and Adelaide won their game, so we ended up in the position that we're at. So, look, once it comes to finals football, uh, this game is a one-off game. I think we just need to be well prepared uh, in what we need to do. Uh, look, it could have been anybody uh, at the end of the day, so we just need to go out there and make sure we do our jobs. All right, and just lastly, before we let you go, and thank you so much for your time on the Kiwi Football Fix, who wins this competition? Is it the Wellington Phoenix? Can we go all the way? We will, we will definitely push as hard as we can. Uh, we've, 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 made, we've made it into the top six, and I told the boys today that they, they've earned their spot in the final series, and, and now we push as hard and go as far as we can. Good job, boss man. Thanks so much for your time today, and go well on Saturday night. We're all behind you. Cheers, thank you very much. OK, we've heard from Ufi Tale. Shall we get uh, an independent voice, an outsider's view, a perspective on the Wellington Phoenix and indeed the playoffs as a whole? We go to the voice of the A-League, Simon Hill. He comes back to the Kiwi Football Fix. Simon, great to see your face again. How are you? Good to see you, Goran. How are you, mate? I'm very well, and I'm extremely excited about this matchup, Wellington Phoenix and Western. We'll get to that in a moment. But first of all, your reaction to the fact that the Knicks made the six with all this adversity thrown at them. I do love the way you say that in your Kiwi accent. The Knicks made the six. Um, yeah, look, it's a terrific achievement. Um, I, I must admit, I hold my hands up, and I've said this to Alfie Tully and apologised at the start of the season. I'd seem to do this every year with Wellington. You look at the players that left at the start of the season, I thought, oh, he's going to struggle this year. But I thought that last year. And and every year, you know, Wellington seemed to pull the rabbit out of the hat. I know they just missed out last season. But uh, this year, really, a, a tremendous achievement to get to the top six. And, you know, I made this comparison the other day. The only other club that's probably had similar difficulties to Wellington is Perth Glory. Mm. And look what happened to them. You know, they, they really struggled to deal with it. So... Maybe the fact that Wellington had been in exile a year before helped them a little bit because they, they knew what was coming um, and they just got on with it. But, uh, yeah, terrific achievements. Uh, a little bit inconsistent at times, but you can say that for a lot of A-League clubs. Um, and I think overall it's been a very successful season no matter what happens on, on Sunday. A little bit Saturday. inconsistent. Gee whiz, mate. You're, you're being kind there, Simon. Speaking to a New Zealand audience, you've got to be. But, um, gee, some of those results were very, very up and down. They were polar opposites. Yeah, they were. And it was strange, really. It, it's, you know, some weeks Wellington would, would be so good and win four or five nil. And then the next week they get tonked by the same scoreline. It, it was a bit odd. And I guess going into the finals, the one thing that Uffie has to um, ensure doesn't happen is that they don't have one of those off days. Um, because if they do, they'll get thumped. Um, you know, Western United are a good side. There's no doubt about that. But they've matched up well against um, Western this season, Wellington. Uh, the last time they played, I think it was 4-1 that, that the Phoenix won a few weeks back um, at one of the many grounds that Western United play at. Um, and I, I think they've got a very good puncher's chance, not just in this game, but you know, in, in the finals in general. But they've got to be switched on, um, particularly defensively. And at times we've, we've seen this season, if they're not... I mean, we even saw it in the first half an hour against Melbourne City the other night. 
Um, you know, when, when the second goal went in, I was thinking, goodness me, this could be four, five, six here. But then we saw a different Wellington Phoenix, the better Wellington Phoenix in, in the second half of the game. And in the end, they were probably a bit unlucky not to take a point out of the match. So, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, perhaps indicative of a, of a squad that is still gelling together. There's a, there's a few young kids in there, of course, as well, that are not that experienced. Um, I would imagine that Offie will, will have his, his experienced players back, including David Ball at the weekend. And that will certainly help. So I think they've got a good chance. Yeah, how crucial is it getting all those players back? We've seen Gary Hooper the last couple of games. Clayton Lewis got back against Melbourne City on Monday night and played a half. Um, David Ball, he basically lives game to game in a moon boot protecting that toe. And I think Josh Soterio had a calf complaint. They're likely to all flood back into this side. So how crucial for Ufuk Tale to call on those players, not because of their experience, but also the fact that he can go back to his preferred fo uh, formation of four box two. Yep, totally agree. Um, and I think of all the players you mentioned, I'm not uh, downplaying any of the, the roles that they play. David Ball in particular has been terrific this season. Um, but I think the return of Clayton Lewis in the midfield is is really important. Uh, obviously, Alex Rufer is, is gone for the campaign and, and they were a little bit light on in that part of the field. That's not to you know be disrespectful to Nick Pennington, who's, who's done a good job in there. But I think uh, Clayton Lewis was you know first pick and uh, to have him back, uh, providing he's 100% match fit, of course, is, is a big bonus. Um, and you're right that it means that Uffie can play his, his preferred... Uh, formation. Um, Gary Hooper is back as well. Um, he's got some nice selection issues, actually, for, for a change, Uffie. Uh, interesting to go to, to see how he goes up top as well. You know, does he start with Gary Hooper or does he stick with Ben Wayne? I'm a big fan of Ben Wayne. I, I think he's got a massive future. Ben Old as well, to be honest. Mm. Um, but uh, they're nice problems for Uffie to have. Yeah, they really are. And I suppose uh, when you talk about Clayton Lewis and, and having him as an inclusion in the side, what does it mean for Gael Sandoval? Because for weeks on end now, basically since Clayton Lewis parted ways through injury with the Knicks, we've, we've seen Gael play a lot deeper. We can af afford to employ him much further up or higher up the pitch, can't we, Simon? Yeah, which is where he needs to be. Um, now, he's done a job for the team over the last few weeks because he's had to. Uh, and as I've mentioned, you know, with Rufa and Lewis out, uh, his experience was, was required in that part of the pitch. Um, but that's not why he was brought to Wellington Phoenix. Right. He, he was brought to the club uh, to play the Ulysses Davila role. Um, you know, similar sorts of players, of course, as well, given that they're both Mexicans. And, you know, his job is is to provide the bullets for Hooper or for, for Wayne or for Soterio. And, you know, to get into shooting positions himself, he's more than capable of scoring. So I think that will be a big bonus for them this weekend, that that uh, gives him that little bit of, of extra freedom. And against a Western United team whose who's main strength over the course of the season, it's not quite been the same over the last few weeks where, where they've leaked a few more goals, but they've been so strong defensively throughout the campaign. Um, you need your best players to be able to find those passing lanes, those uh, little bits of, of invention that are going to unlock defences uh, because Western United are one of the best exponents of, of shutting a team out. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a big bonus for, for Ofitale. Um, I also think on Saturday that, you know, the, the first goal will be key. If Weston get it, it's going to be hard for Wellington. So, you know, that, that's it could be cagey early on because Wellington know that.
could be hard for Wellington. It, it's damn near impossible, Simon, because whenever they concede the first goal, they go on to lose. Now, you spoke earlier about Western being um, almost a, a lockbox in defence, but the Wellington Phoenix, a, a number of times this season, they've managed to unpick, unlock that Western uh, defence. And when you look at the three results, the, they, they, they met in the FFA Cup run, they also met twice in the league, three very different uh, iterations of the Wellington Phoenix. So mm. what kind of mental scarring does that uh, inflict upon Western? Well, it's a good question. And... You know, I actually think that as good as they've been this season, Western United, and they have been very good, particularly in the first half of the campaign, they won an awful lot of games uh, by a 1-0 scoreline. Um, the second half of the season has been just a little bit more inconsistent. I think in some ways, John Aloisi has tried to open the team up just a little bit. Um, and part of the reason for that is the injury to Alessandro Diamante, because that they were able to sit in that low block and once they won possession, they feed the ball to Diamante. And his passing range is so wonderful, as we all know, that he could play balls over the top for the you know the fast wingers, the Connor Paynes, the Dylan Pereuses, and they'd be away. And they've got finishers in in uh, Alexander Prijevic and uh, Dylan Wenzel-Halls. And that's how they were winning games in the early part of the season. But because Diamante has been missing now for quite some time, they've they've almost again had to adapt their play. Similar to Wellington Phoenix, you know, you miss key players have to adapt to, to a different way of playing to a certain degree. And, and maybe that's just made them a little bit more vulnerable defensively. Um, I don't think Diamante will play at the weekend. As I understand it, he's he's had an arthroscopy to try and find out what this, this knee complaint is, which has kept him out since February, I think. So, you know, that may play into, into the Phoenix's hands. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's still going to be a tough proposition the, the form book shows, it, particularly in finals football, if you're at home, more often than not, you win. Mm. So we'll see if that plays out. But as I said, I, I give Wellington a good chance. I'm not saying that they're overwhelming favourites to win on Saturday, but I think they've got a good chance. I'll tell you what, Simon, if they do win and they go through to what would be a very unlikely semi-final up against Melbourne City, how good would it be, not just for New Zealand football fans, but for the A-League in general, to have the Wellington Phoenix, back at Sky Stadium in Wellington for a match of that magnitude? Well, this is this is why I like the new format of the finals, to be honest, because it does give even the teams that finish lower down in the top six the opportunity, if they can win their elimination final, of course, uh, to have a game at home. And, you know, that's good for the competition. And Wellington would, I have no doubt... You know, go close to selling out. Um, uh, is it Sky Stadium these days? Sure is. Yeah, our employer, our employer pays for the sponsorship, Simon. So yes, it is yeah, Sky sorry. Stadium. Sorry. <laughs> um, so it's it's changed its name on so many occasions. All these grounds tend to do that, uh, but I have no doubt that they would go close to you know to filling that, or at least there would be a very good crowd there. And that's great, not just for the Phoenix, but it's great for the competition as well. Um, you know, our crowds have not been great this season, but people get switched on by finals football. So. That would be absolutely terrific. And, you know, having been over there uh, for a finals game in 2015, strangely enough, it was Wellington against Melbourne City. You know, I know how parochial that crowd can be. And uh, it's it's not a trip that many teams in Australia enjoy 
particularly, you know, if the wind's coming in sideways and, <laughs> and the rain. You have, you have four seasons in one day in Wellington, don't you? So yeah. it's not particularly pleasant for the Aussies. No, that's why Central Coast Mariners did so well a couple of weeks ago because it was a beautiful blue sky day <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was just like being at home on the coast, right? Hey, um, so we've got yeah. two games this weekend, Simon. The Wellington Phoenix up against Western City and Victory get the weekend off given they're their top qualifiers. The other match... Adelaide versus the Mariners. This one fascinates me. We've got two teams that are currently on five-match win streaks. The last time that they met, Mariners won 3-0, but Adelaide lost their goalkeeper at the 26-minute mark. And the goals came late. So, in your expert opinion, how does this match play out? Well, my expert opinion says, I honestly don't know. Um, (laughs) Because they are in such good form. Um, again, I'm going to lean on you know my tried and trusted. Well, home teams normally win finals, which I, I think makes Adelaide favourites, but only just. The Mariners, for me, uh, they've lost one game in 14. You're right in saying that they've uh, they've won their last five straight, as have Adelaide United. Uh, the, the really good thing about the Mariners, in my opinion, going into this final series, is they've got goals. They've got goals everywhere. Uh, Jason Cummings is banging them in left, right and centre. They've got Marco Arrhenia. They've got Moresh. They've got this young kid, Garan Kowal, on the bench, who, let me tell you, is just fantastic. So, you know, they, they can score. And that's that always gives you a chance in finals football. Now, the last time they met at Cooper Stadium, you just rightly mentioned that the Mariners did them 3-0 in Gosford. Um, and that was after Joe Gouch, who'd been sent off in the first half, and, and the goals arrived late. But the last time at Cooper Stadium, the Mariners led uh, until very late in the game, and Adelaide produced one of their trademark comebacks, and uh, another good young kid, Nestori Irankunda, scored an absolute beauty to win it in stoppage time. So I, I think it might be that close again. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes into extra time or, or, or even penalties. Um, and just on that, there's you know some interesting stats as well. Mark Birigitti has saved three penalties so far this season. The seasonal record is four, uh, currently held by Paul Izzo and Ante Kovic. And at the other end, Joe Gauci uh, saved two penalties against the Mariners last season in the same game. So, you know, it, it could be as tight as that. Mm. Um, tough one to predict. I'd lean towards Adelaide because of that home advantage and Coopers is so parochial come finals time, yeah. but only just. But Mariners, I mean, we, we know a lot about them over here in New Zealand. Simon, they beat us, what was it, 9-0 across two matches in the space of 12 days. And yeah. we know they've got goals. But what was it about the Mariners that clicked partway through this season? You mentioned their 14-match unbeaten run. Yes, they've won outright the last five, but 14 matches without a, a defeat. It's absolutely ridiculous. What clicked for them? Well, I, I think they've. I mean, basically, at its as it its most bottom level, they've got good players. Um, they've got a nice blend of these young kids that I've, I've mentioned, um, and I'll add a couple more. Kai Rolls has been terrific at, at the heart of defence. Lewis Miller down the right. Now, I think this is a key battle on Sunday up against Craig Goodwin, Adelaide's best player, and Lewis Miller is a machine down that right hand side physically. He could play for the All Blacks, let me tell you. <laughs> he is so muscular. Is he eligible? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, I don't think he would want to. Um, but he's, uh, he, he is he's a really good up-and-coming defender. And they've got that experience of Jason Cummings and Marco Arrhenia and one or two others uh, to lean on. Now, I thought when the Oli Bazanic situation happened a few weeks ago, I don't know if you're across this, but 
Uh, Bazanic has been a dispute with the club since well, pretty much halfway through the season. He was their captain. At one point, he was their leading goal scorer. And when he was left out of the team, I thought, well, that could destabilise the Mariners. Instead, it's gone the other way. And it's because the kids have taken on that responsibility. In the heart of midfield, Josh Nisbet has been tremendous this season. Alongside Max Ballard, it doesn't get a lot of plaudits, but he does that dirty work. You know, as Didier Deschamps used to be called the water carrier. Um, you know, that they go fetch, they tackle, they run, they harry, and they pass the ball to a more talented teammate. And they do that really well, the Mariners. They work as a proper unit. And when they are under pressure, they've got, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the league in Birigetti, who's saved them on countless occasions. So they're a good all-round unit, and I don't think any team in the finals wants to play the Mariners. We certainly don't. Uh, it could be another four or five <laughs> nil <Not surprised. laughs> defeat. Yeah, uh, stay away from us, Mariners. Look, um, if if what you say uh, comes true and Adelaide and Western go through, who actually wins this whole thing? Like, is, is Melbourne City or, or Melbourne Victory are they are they that far ahead of of the likes of Adelaide or Western? I, d- I don't know whether there's a you know a street between them. Again, I think some of it comes down to momentum and form going into the finals, which is why I give you know, Adelaide Mariners probably a, a very good chance because they're on the, those runs at the moment. Melbourne City, yeah, they've won the premiership. But again, you saw late on against Wellington Phoenix. I, I just don't think they're in their best moment. That, that's not to say that they can't uh, you know, reach those levels again. They have been the best team over the course of the campaign. But they've just come off a, a tough Asian Champions League campaign. Um, and whether they're right at their best at this point in time, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I tend to be looking at Melbourne victory with 15 games unbeaten now and right in the groove. Yeah. And they've got the week off to prepare. Uh, I, I've got the feeling it might be an all-Melbourne final. Um, sorry, Wellington. Um I, I, you know, I've been happy to be proven wrong on that, but I, I just feel overall victory, particularly with Tony Popovich, who of course has never won a grand final, which is probably motivation enough for him. He's been in, what is it, three or four now. Um, I've just got the feeling that they might do it. Mm. I mean, you look at Melbourne and they've got City, they've got Western, they've got Victory. And on the other hand, Sydney have no representation. You could... <laughs> yeah. I don't know, facetiously argue that they do have one Sydney team in Wellington Phoenix uh, in the top six <laughs> because they've been based there for two seasons. But what are we oh, seeing? That's Wollongong. That's Wollongong. Close yeah. enough is good enough. Simon, come on, man. Um, uh, has the power base shifted, do you think? Because this is the first time in, I think, a decade or more than that a Sydney team has been absent from the A-League finals. Yeah, it's, it's the first time since the Wanderers came in in 12-13 that both Sydney teams have missed the finals in the same season. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been an awful campaign for, for both Sydney teams. The Wanderers, you know, seem to lurch from one season to the next and every year we go, this is their year. And it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. And again, we're talking about rebuilds at Western Sydney. Goodness me, how many more do they need? How many more coaches do they need to go through? Sydney was probably a little bit more of a surprise, although I have to say when I looked at the squad at the start of the season, I've, I've said this a few times, and I, I really don't mean to sound disrespectful because uh, they have been great players and some of them still are great players, but they're an ageing squad 
by and large, Sydney FC, and maybe some of them, not all of them, but maybe some of them just went on a season too long. And, you know, we're seeing that already. Babo is retired. It was clearly, a, you know, one step too far for Babo. Uh, Milos Nenkovic has had to be sort of nursed through the season. He's not played full 90 minutes a lot because he's 37. Alex Wilkinson, the same. Adam Lafondre's had a poor season because of injuries and, and various things. Ryan Grant, I think, got stymied by COVID to a large degree. Um, so a lot of those key players, uh, and you can include Andrew Redmayne in that, who's you know been terrific over the last two or three seasons, but this year he's not been at the same level. So when your key players stumble, um, you know you need others to step into the breach. Now I, I personally think, far be it from me to tell Steve Corica how to do his job. He's won two A League titles. I haven't, um, but I, you know I think he, he's got some good youngsters there. We've seen some of them emerge, like Callum Talbot, like uh, Patrick Yazbek. Um, and I think there are more there, but for whatever reason, he hasn't really utilised too many of them. And I, I read that Patrick Wood, who I'm a big fan of, is, is going to go to Perth Glory next season, even though Babo's retiring, which which yeah. sort of baffles me a little bit. And, you know, Steve sees him every day. I don't. Maybe, maybe he sees something that I haven't seen. But I, I think when you look at what's happening across the league, and, and Phoenix are a good example of this, you know, Sam Sutton, Ben Old, Ben Wayne, um, there are Finn Sermon, um, Riley Bidwar. You know, all those players have been given opportunities by Ufuk Tale, and by and large, a lot of them have taken it. I think Sydney perhaps need to look a little bit more down that road. You know, with the caveat that you still need experienced players to help guide them through as well. Maybe it was weighted just a little bit too far. Uh, towards the experience side this this year. That's my theory anyway. I suppose you could also look at um, COVID and the schedule rejigs being a contributing factor to some of these teams not making it because, look, as we said earlier, the Wellington Phoenix, they've they've had a, a really shithouse season already and then they go into this one knowing full well what to expect. Yeah, they had more, more than their fair share of hurdles thrown in front of them and they managed to leap over most of them. But for some of these other teams... Maybe it took them by surprise, Simon. Um, yeah, look, it, it's it's possible. I mean, look, look, you can certainly make that case for Perth Glory, obviously, because they, they had an awful campaign uh, with having to play on the road for three months, you know, travelling from one state to another. At least Wellington were largely based in one state, so they had a base, and they knew Wollongong because they'd been there last season. It was probably tougher... Uh, for Perth Glory. In the early part of the season um, for Brisbane Roar, there were travel restrictions into and out of Queensland, which meant that for away games, they had to travel on the morning of the game, play the match, and then get back to the airport and fly back to Queensland that night. That, that's not easy to do, uh, particularly when you're doing it back to back. So I, I've got a little bit of sympathy for Brisbane, but that only lasted you know, maybe a couple of months of the season. Um, as for the others, you know, MacArthur... Sydney FC, Western Sydney Wanderers, Newcastle Jets. I don't really think they have that excuse, to be honest, because they have so many games in New South Wales, including Wellington, uh, that really the travel you know, and, and the disruption shouldn't have been a factor. Um, so, no, I'm not buying that. OK, all right, well, <laughs> I won't sell it then. Uh, all things considered, though, Simon, um, you know, what, what did it all do to the quality of the A-League this season? You've watched a lot of Australian football, trans-Tasman football. Was it better mm. or worse than other iterations of the A-League? 
look, I don't think it's it was any better, any worse. Uh, I, I think the level of our league, is it the Premier League? No, of course it's not. Is it La Liga? Uh, no, of course it's not. But there are 200 other leagues around the world that aren't that standard either. Mm. Our league is fine. There are good games. There are bad games. The issue for us is the optics. The optics of playing at empty stadiums, at stadiums that aren't natural homes, including Wollongong for, for Wellington this season. It wasn't their fault, but, you know, that's that's the reality. Perth going to play in Tasmania in Oval Stadiums. Western United still not having a home ground after three seasons. Uh, MacArthur having to move games away because of a poor pitch. Um, Sydney FC being displaced from the Sydney Football Stadium. Brisbane Raw playing an hour, an hour outside of Brisbane. We have too many of our clubs who are not embedded for what, one reason or another in their local communities, and they are not playing at the right-sized venues. Now, I was at the F3 derby on Saturday, Central Coast Mariners against Newcastle. They offered uh, free tickets to friends of, of members. They were rewarded with that 11,000 crowd, perfect rectangle of the stadium, cool conditions, great pitch, lovely backdrop, and we had a great game as a result. And it felt good. It felt like football. If we provide the conditions for our players, they will excel. And too often, I'll give you one more example on the other end of this. When Wellington Phoenix played Melbourne City, if you remember, at Shark Park in Cronulla a few weeks ago, it was behind closed doors at a rugby league venue there were rugby league markings all over the pitch. The quality of the surface was awful. Both teams playing in away kits for some bizarre reason. At three o'clock kickoff, I think, or four o'clock in the afternoon. How do we expect people to watch that? Mm. It, it's That's not connecting with the fan base. And that's what we have to get back to. The fan has to come first. And the TV viewer, by extension. We've got to make it attractive for our football community to tune in and engage with the competition. And too often, we don't do that. We go, play, we go and play these ridiculous oversized oval stadiums with stands that are, you know, 50 metres from the pitch or grass banks that, you know, in 40-degree heat sometimes, 5 o'clock kickoff. You know, how do we expect that to look good, mm. either at the stadium or on television? So we've got to start getting more of that stuff right. That the players that aren't to blame, by and large, the quality of our league is fine. I'm just going to make a note here, Simon. Um, send this episode of the Kiwi Football <laughs> Fix off to um, who should I address it to at um, FFA? APL. Okay. APL. All right, cool. <laughs> we'll send that off shortly. Hey, um, it's it's always fantastic to catch up with you, Simon, and thank you so much for your time. Just quickly before I let you go, a couple of predictions. Do the Knicks beat Weston, yes or no? <laughs> oh, you're going to make the enemies here. Um, yes, go on. Yes, good man. And who wins the whole thing? Who Who holds up the toilet seat at the end of the season? Victory. Victory. Victory for the victory. Yep. All right, Simon, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for your time on the Kiwi Football Fix. And I'll say it for you one more time. The Knicks made the six. We'll catch the you six. next time, Simon. I love it. <laughs> Good on you, Gary. Nice to speak to you, mate. My thanks to Good Bugger, Simon Hill, and Ufuk Tele before him. 
The A-League finals, first week of them. Remember, Adelaide against Central Coast Mariners. That's Sunday at 6 on Sky Sports 7. The big one we all are looking forward to, though. The Wellington Phoenix, the return of the Wellington Phoenix to playoffs football. First time in two years, they're up against Western United, their bunnies. That one is Saturday, 9.45pm, live on BN Sport. Who knows? I might see you next week on the Kiwi Football Fix from Wellington. Yeah, yeah, right after the Melbourne City first leg match. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, and you should too. We'll see you next time on The Fix.